This show is sponsored by Alicia's Pillows and Things. Check out the Facebook page, Alicia's Pillows and Things, where you will find home decor you will not be able to resist at prices anybody can afford. Check out the pillows and stools of your favorite sports teams. Maybe you want a set of your kid's favorite cartoon or movie character. You can also get full body and neck pillows as well. Log on to NGSCSports.com and go to the Alicia's Pillows and Things tab on the homepage to complete your order. It makes a great gift for Christmas at an affordable price. NGSC Sports. We never stop. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Buds in, and I went and found my big headphones, which usually Callie has stolen. Ah, but tonight she was nice and left them for me. I guess. Aw, sweet princess. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh, something like that. That's like bullshit. Something like that. Ah, yeah. So it's it's goodness. It's just it's all great. It's, Gravy, my friend. It's gravy. Oh yeah, gravy is gravy. French fries back to Canada. It's it's like Canadian Thanksgiving, and what better way to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving than with a double helping of Premier League football? Even though Canadian Thanksgiving was like two months ago. Oh, okay. I don't know. You're the one who keeps up with that. Man. It's, it's fine. Uh, welcome to the Foreign Affair Podcast. Definitely not made in Canada. I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCollum Crime, Wes Bradshaw. Uh, and we have a dynamite episode for you today. Uh, so much Premier League to talk about. Uh, we are going to talk about it slightly differently. I thought, you know, with it being 15 games now, or sorry, 15 matches into the season, figure maybe instead of talking about Every match, and don't worry, we will cover the matches because there are some matches we need to talk about, of course. Um, what I thought we could do is take a look at our quote-unquote top six, not the actual top six in the table, and just see how they're doing as as we've hit this point in the season. Uh, we'll also take a brief look, the briefest of looks, at the FA Cup draw that happened uh, since our last pod. We'll have the news and notes, including two stories that I only briefly teased last week. Uh, that were on the docket, but I had to save because they are the most Wes Bradshaw stories of all time, and we needed his thoughts on them. So we will get to those as well, don't you worry, as well as Watch 4 and So Raw. As always, podcast is presented by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. We never stop. As well as Alicia's Pillows and Things. Uh, If you like pillows or things and you're needing one or the other to wrap up your Christmas shopping, we are only... Uh, the 20 days away from Christmas, as the time is recording, uh, head on over to Lysias, 
pillows and things on Facebook, and maybe you can snag a sweet deal on some cool sports-themed memorabilia and gear. So head on over to Alicia's Pillows and Things on Facebook. That is that, uh, and this is this. Tell me what you want, and I'll tell you what you get. You get away from it. As we modest mouse it up here, please don't sue us. Um, we are going to go now into the Premier League talk. Uh, Wes, let's start. We'll start from the bottom of how these teams are ordered right now in the table and work right, our Drake. way up. And Drake? Started from the Oh, line. damn. All the music. Jesus, that was, a, that, was, that was a reach back. But, uh, but it's my Canadian brethren. I can't believe I didn't get that since he used Jesus, to. Jesus, man. That's, that's like your cousin because you're all cousin. You're all Canadian cousins. Yes, it's my Canadian, Drake's my Canadian cousin. All Canadians are related. That <laughs> is the theme of this week's show. Just kind of like West Virginia. All right. Um, <laughs> Manchester United. Let's start with them because they are the big six air Jesus quotes Christ. club down Speaking at the bottom. West Virginia like. <laughs> yeah, very. Uh, very shoddy right now. Um, interesting game today. Um, interesting, not in a good way. No, no, God, no. It was inter- I mean, from a neutral, it was an interesting in a good way. But from a United fan, interesting in a very bad way. Um, Manchester United uh, today in their second match of this period, uh, played Arsenal to a 2-2 draw, uh, needing comeback goals each time. And uh, seemingly just moments after um, Arsenal scored, uh, the first goal United scored was four minutes after a shock during Mustafi goal. Uh, Anthony Martial leveled. And then after what is being called a Marcus Rojo own goal in the 68th minute, Jesse Lingard 69 it up. Uh, just a moment later, and put in a ball uh, to get Manchester United back to 2-2 at Old Trafford. Um, This uh, coming off the heels of their previous day's results from this weekend, um, where they drew 2-2 to Southampton. And of course, needed a comeback victory there, going 2-2 down in the first, or 2-0 down in the first 20 minutes, and needing goals uh, from Lukaku and Herrera also in the first half to get back. So two 2-2 draws. Um, I, I kind of want to focus a l- little bit also on this Arsenal match for today, Wes, and we'll talk about Arsenal in a little bit, but United is just poor, and I, I can't believe they're guaranteed to go through in the Champions League. I just, I can't believe it. Um, but this United side is just still met with controversy. They They don't play Pogba today against Arsenal. They don't play, um... Lukaku today either and you know <laughs> rotating as Josie it's tactical that's what it was of course um you know we've seen Josie throw water bottles we've talked about him ad nauseum um where do we feel United are right now 15 matches into the season I feel United are <clears throat> literally walking a razor's edge right now yeah on what this season could be because the wrong run of results could see everything fall apart. They're already on the outside looking in of the top four, which at this point, I mean, that, that's that got to be their biggest goal is to mm-hmm. find themselves in the top four. The league is done. They're not winning the no, league. God, no, 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 no. <clears throat> I mean, and, you know, something we'll touch on a little more later. I think you can almost say the league is done if you're not one of two teams at this point. I would absolutely 100% agree with that. Yeah, I mean, this is it's basically a two-horse race, and let's just hope it'll keep going for a while. Yeah. But you're looking at United right now. I mean, they're eight points out of fourth. Mm-hmm. 
two straight losses will pretty much eliminate them from top four contention. And then they have to make a choice. Well, what what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. You know, are we just going to keep on with this season like no big deal? Um, or are we going to try to make a move and see if we can spark something? I think right now the only thing that's keeping Mourinho in this job is the Champions League progression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's going to be – really fascinating once we get back to Champions League football. I mean, why wouldn't United put everything into trying to win the Champions League at this point? Certainly. Uh, fourth place. And and then the way that really the top five are playing right now, the top five have just separated themselves. I mean, hey, sixth place is eight points back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, United's in a, in a three-way tie basically for that six, seven, eight spot. Everybody's eight points back. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to those top five teams looking for four spots. So, you know, to me, what's your what's your idea, United? Your idea has got to be try to go for something, and the Champions League is obviously the biggest prize out there. If it wasn't, if they were going out of the Champions League, I think Mourinho would not make it to Christmas, mm-hmm. or at least not make it to the New Year. Um, their their league form has just been so. So up and down, so up and down poor. And the thing is, it's the it's almost like the big matches United get up for. Mm-hmm. And everything else, they just they just are wretched. Um, as Josie made a point of saying the other day, he doesn't have mad dogs in his midfield. <laughs> and, you know, today against, you know, suddenly today against Arsenal, they were nipping, they were playing a little more of that style that he wanted. And it was a really good result today for United. It may have been – they may have deserved all three points really today against Arsenal. Hmm. But that said, I mean, Arsenal are just such a better team than United right hmm. now. Yes. And and really nothing's going United's way that even that chance at three points today fell apart. So, you know, Josie Mourinho I think is obviously on borrowed time here. Hmm. I think the – only thing that can save Josie Mourinho to be the manager next season of Manchester United is to win the Champions League. That's a big that ask. A, you, yeah, that's a huge ask. I mean, yes, they're through, and they're so they're going to be one of the sixteen teams left. Damn, man! When you start looking at what's in front of them, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, United have some good players. I think it, I think it's almost a misconception that well you know it's all Josie because United are loaded. Well, they're loaded at parts, but they have no idea how to put them together. And seriously, at the back they suck. I, so I, you know I don't think they have defensive personnel to win the Champions League by any means, and their attacking personnel are so out of out of sync <laughs> that. It's, it's just not happening. United are a grease fire right now that, once again, are being held together by literally their shoestrings right now. I mean, this is, you know, up top they can play Lingard, Martial, and Rashford, who are who are somewhere in the neighborhood of pretty good to re- real good players. Somewhere oh, all, all really talented, a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all three of those guys... Could be great. <laughs> but then I'm going to go through the rest of the lineup they fielded today against Arsenal. Uh, Mateo Darmian, Andrew Herrera, Nemanja Matic, Diego Dalot in only his second start of the season. Only his second game of the season at all. Marcus <clears throat> Rojo just coming back from injury. Chris Smalling and Eric Bailly. 
and out of that group, Mourinho, Mourinho's literally tried to get rid of there's uh, seven of them. Mourinho's tried to get rid of like five of them. Yes. I mean, Darmian, he desperately tried to get rid of. He's tried to get rid of Smalling. Baye's trying to get rid of. Um, Herrera, he's talking about getting rid of. You know, Maddich was like the only guy he brought in out of that mm-hmm. group. Um, I mean, ugh, and Rojo, Jesus, God, I forgot Rojo even played for <laughs> I mean, it is, it's poor, man. And, you know, you can look at the big names. So, oh, well, Pogba and Lukaku didn't play, and Sanchez is hurt. And? Yeah. Lukaku just went through 700 minutes without scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pogba is like the headline of every week. Uh, Pogba is the non-mad dog that Josie was talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sanchez, Chris Smalling just scored more goals in 2018 than Sanchez did. Mm-hmm. And he's out for an unforeseen amount of time now, which... Yeah, in, in, at least into next year, yeah. Is probably a plus for both parties. <laughs> not, 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 you're not wrong. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's probably a good thing for both parties. And, oh, man, United. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it, it is a, it is the gift that keeps on giving Truly. is Josie and Manchester United. That said, today, I was very happy to see them pull a draw today mm-hmm. because, I mean, hell, hey, both of us need Arsenal peg back. So that helped. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Josie. You guys can play spoiler now. <laughs> that's, that's rough. Literally, what they have left is just to try to screw everybody over. They'll try. They'll try to, you know, stop City's undefeated season. They'll try to keep Liverpool from winning the title. They'll try to fuck with everybody. But I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's got to win it, and three other teams are going to make the top four that aren't Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you can be is that little mid-table pest. Well, let's talk about a team that uh, you just mentioned and whose dreams could be ended by Manchester United later on into the season. And that's the team they played today. That was Arsenal. Uh, They are now fifth place in the table, level on points with Chelsea for fourth, who we'll get to in a little bit, only behind on goal differential. Um, Got the 2-2 draw today, had the big 4-2 win over Tottenham in the North London Derby this past Sunday. Um, So a pretty big week for them. They also played in the Europa League, which... Still putting off talking about until we absolutely have to again. Um, but so, so this is now a run of 20 unbeaten matches for Arsenal. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the running theme of not being ahead at halftime. They were down 2-1 against Tottenham at halftime. Uh, level 1-1 with United at halftime today. Still that continues. I don't think that's a sustainable model of success for Arsenal that they can keep falling behind in matches and not building earlier leads and praying that they stay late because as, as better as this Arsenal side has looked, you can't, when you, once you hit the late point in the season, February, March, and you're starting to get a little more tired, it's harder and harder to make these big comebacks. And, and that's where Arsenal might start to falter a little bit late at the, uh, near the back end of the season. But give a lot of credit to Arsenal, too, because this is not a team I think we expected too much of. And the fact that they are now miles ahead of United, even after today's draw, even though they looked very bad at times in the back against Arsenal, or sorry, against Tottenham and against United, still have a lot to do. But I think Arsenal have absolutely bested both of our expectations, and I imagine a lot of other people's as well, Wes. 
Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> and, I mean, just to toot my own horn a little bit. I mean, sure. when we do go back, I think I actually had Arsenal. Ah, you know what? I can go back right now. So we, um, we can check on that. If you want to, I had him in that fourth, fifth discussion, I do believe. You um, had him sixth. No, him sixth. wait, no. Uh, Actually, yeah. this might be last year's. I feel it was last year's. Yeah, I'm not sure where you have. I must not have written it down or something. Sorry. Um, Hold on, we'll have to go back and check that. But um, check the anyway, I mean, you know, we, we felt this was an Arsenal squad that I think we felt they would improve just for the fact that they got in Unai Emery and sure. got out Arsene Wenger. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we were devastated to see Arsene Wenger leave. That was yes. just As horrible neutrals. for all of us involved. Yeah. Yes, because yes, we're so neutral to yeah, Arsenal. That's true. <laughs> um, and after the way the season began with those back-to-back losses to uh, City and Chelsea, I think everybody's going, oh, it's same old Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Here we go. But the thing is, this is an Arsenal team that has, you know, they found a formula. Mm-hmm. I think it's very interesting that that formula includes not playing Mezzanozel, <laughs> which I, I haven't been calling for for what? Time, no, what? not at all. West Bradshaw has like nine Mezzanozel jerseys. Calls it right. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I mean, it's crazy what happens when you suddenly take out a guy who refuses to play any sort of defense and you know only does only plays anyway when he wants to. Weird. Um, you know, what Mourinho was calling for for the Mad Dogs, that's what Unai Emery has brought mm-hmm. to Arsenal. Um, I'm going to tell you, man, in the long term, I, I'm nervous about Arsenal going forward mm-hmm. because this is a team they they can score. Their midfield, especially since Lucas Torreira has uh, been added to it, their midfield has some bite. They're a good, tough midfield. The, the only thing holding Arsenal back is their defense, I think, is still very, very spotty. Yeah, I think we saw that today against United, how bad they can still be. And I mean, and even we saw it against Spurs. That's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Spurs had them to the sword. That That's more of a Spurs issue. And mm. The fact that Arsenal really did just turn it on in the second half against Spurs and were just really were fantastic in the second half against Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an Arsenal team that I, I don't think – I don't think they're any better than fourth place because that defense is going it has it has goals that they're going to ship, and Burn Leno's done a good job, and I think Burn Leno still has a mistake in him, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what's going to hold Arsenal back. What makes me nervous about Arsenal going forward is, you know, that, especially if they finish in that top four this year and get back into the Champions League. I mean, this team is going to be buoyed to go out and make some signings. And they're going to have to go and make some signings at the back and try to improve that defense. And if they can hit it, I mean, suddenly that turns into a pretty darn good team. Um, Now they might even still be a few seasons away or a few transfer windows from trying to compete with what right now Tottenham, Liverpool, and City have Mm -hmm. um, depth-wise and quality depth-wise. But, I mean, you know, it it has – I think it's been a little bit of an accelerated – um, timeline with Arsenal. Now, what's you know, as an Arsenal fan, you've got to be thrilled with the form you're in the 20 consecutive matches without a defeat. But here's the caveat to that: 20 consecutive matches without a defeat, and you're still outside of a Champions League. Yeah, spot. that's true. Which shows just 
the absolute strength of the top five this season. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that Chelsea's, quote, coming back to the pack right now, and Arsenal, quote, isn't really that – or, I'm sorry, Tottenham, quote, everyone, oh, they're not that good. And Liverpool, quote, hasn't hit their stride yet. (laughs) And, I mean, all those teams are ahead. (laughs) So – you know, it, it, it's going to be difficult now. You know, I was thinking Chelsea were not going to have the season they were having mm-hmm. and that Arsenal were going to be able to sneak into that top four. Um, it looks like Chelsea, I think Chelsea are going to have a little too much. That said, there's some stuff around Chelsea right now. They could be close to imploding themselves, mm-hmm. which would be hilarious. Get but to anyway, that in a moment. Um, yeah, we'll get to that in a moment because I think they'll be next. Mm-hmm. But Arsenal are, <clears throat> they're tough. Which, God, when do we ever say Arsenal were tough? That's the biggest change under Emery so I mean, seriously, since we've done this show, we have never described Arsenal as a tough team. No. But they are. They've got grit. I mean, they come out, they play hard. Um, they they try to play to their strengths. And their biggest strength are those guys up front, Aubameyang, uh, Lacazette, who, hey, hey, you remember Lacazette was a huge bust? Yeah. Yeah, not so much. You, you know, sometimes, crazy thing, folks. Sometimes it just takes guys a little longer than two weeks to settle into a team. Um, shocking. shocking. Shocking, yeah. You know, a guy named Jurgen Klopp kind of proved that last year. <laughs> you know, with those busts he signed, Andy Robertson and uh, Trent, uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And this year, of course, the massive busts that are Fabinho and Nabi Keita. <laughs> hmm, yeah. Sometimes you got to – Ed, as I love to say, you got to blood them. You got to blood. We've been saying it for five years. Gotta God, blood it's him. finally come true. You got to blood yes. them in. Blood fan, blood fan. Blood. <laughs> yeah, you got to blood them in. Um, <clears throat> and that that's hitting for Arsenal. And, you know, the I think one of the biggest questions around that team right now, too, is why the hell are you not getting a contract offer? Yeah. I mean, Aaron Renzi's playing well. That's a guy you can put right in and he can – he can help you right now. He help you in the future, but that's that's their issue. I don't think I think Ramsey is going to walk for free at the end of the year. Um, and then the big question about him is, what the hell are you going to do with that albatross called Mezzanozo and his three hundred fifty thousand pounds a week to sit on the bench? Somebody's got to take him, right? Well, but here, but here's the thing. You know, I'm sure you can find a team to take him, <clears throat> but. There ain't nobody who's going to take him at three hundred fifty grand a week. So for him to leave, he'd have to take a cut in wages. And at that point, you'll find out what Mezzanozel's really made of. How bad? Bad, sweet ass contract of yours. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, you know, there's I'm sure there's there's a team in Italy or Germany or Spain would take him right now, Um, but he's he's not going to get that. He's not going to get that money. Um, and, and we know, we know those Arsenal guys up front, that, that Sanchez Ozil dream team, those, those guys are all about their Benjamins. Oh, yeah. Or oh, about their Sterling, I guess we'll say. But, uh, hey, don't bring Raz. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, God, Raz. I'm, I'm going to have to mention Raz. I'm going to have to say something nice about Raz later, and I'm oh, not looking forward to it. But, uh, oh, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Arsenal. There are questions still to be answered. But I think definitely they have exceeded expectations this season. Uh, well, speaking of a team that had been beating expectations this season, and as you did mention a few minutes ago, might be coming back to the pack just a little bit, is fourth place Chelsea. Uh, right now they did get a 2-0 victory over Fulham on the weekend. 
Pedro scoring along with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Hey, he plays for Chelsea still. Um, so that, you know, interesting victory there. Um, but then they come out today in their weekday match and lay a bit of an egg against Wolves. Uh, Loftus-Cheek scoring again for Chelsea, but Wolves finding a pair of goals in the second half. The first from Raul Jimenez, and then four minutes later, Diego Jota putting one in as well to give Wolves a big, historic victory. Uh, Their first in two months at the Molyneux Stadium. Um, So big win for Wolves. Tough loss for Chelsea, but... You know, we look at a little bit of their form, and again, yes, they did beat Fulham on the weekend, but before that, on the road, they lost, they got pounded by Tottenham just a few weeks ago. Um, you know, they draw Everton nil nil, and Everton's you know eh, okay. Um, they drew two two at home against a Manchester United team that was also struggling and needed to come back in that game to get a win there. Um, so this is this is a Chelsea team that has been starting to dip a little bit. We did talk a little bit when we were doing uh, team reviews for how they had come so far in the season. We talked a lot about Ed Nazard and how he was running really well. And as Ed Nazard goes, sometimes so does Chelsea. Now he started to taper off just a little bit. And we also know that this is a very mercurial team. It wasn't just Josie and Antonio Conte that was the quote problem at Chelsea. It's also the group of guys that's there. And so you have to wonder, you know, after the loss at Tottenham, after this loss against Wolves, do things begin to unravel a little bit for Chelsea as they've started to slip down to these fourth, fifth positions here? Well, the biggest problem for Chelsea, and I think we, we talked about this. Excuse me. Um, Chelsea's biggest issue is the fact that, Outside of Eden Hazard, mm-hmm. there's no established goal scorer. Is it Ruben uh, Loftus-Cheek? No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> no, I will quickly tell you, it's not going to be Ruben Loftus-Cheek. That's not. But the thing is, now joking aside, that's not his game. Okay. Well, then here's a here's um, a here's a question for you: Should Olivier Giroud be starting more? And I can't why? believe I'm actually yeah, asking that going. seriously. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's not like he's a goal a game player either, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Giroud, to me, Giroud's proven over the years, he's a super sub. Mm-hmm. He's a guy to come on in the 65th minute and get you a header in the, in the 85th minute. You know, that's him. That's his game. Um, I mean, this is, this is Giroud who started every game for France at the World Cup and never scored. Mm-hmm. So I don't see where Giroud is really the answer to your goal scoring needs. No, the answer to your needs is you need another striker. <laughs> You need to get rid of Murata and find another striker. I keep God. I would keep Giroud all day mm-hmm. and bring him in at the 68th minute. Okay. <laughs> um, I just, I just don't see Giroud as a viable starter, especially with this team and what their goals are. Giroud is more Plan B. Mm-hmm. It's just the problem is Plan A is Murata, and that ain't Plan A for shit. Yeah. Murata's just one of those guys. I just don't think he can hack it in the Premier League. You know, mm-hmm. send him back to Spain or Italy. I think he'll be fine, and he'll be a good player for someone. But you know, just at the highest levels of English football. And English football, you can say it's – I wouldn't say it's so much better than everybody else by any means. Mm-hmm. But it is a different game. It's an extremely athletic, fast-paced game. And we've seen over the years some guys just aren't built for it. I mean, Andre Shevchenko was the best – maybe the best player in Europe when he went to Chelsea back in the mid-2000s. 
And he was an absolute flop at Chelsea. Hernan Crespo was a great striker. He was a flop at Chelsea. There have been so many guys who were great strikers, you know, great goal scorers in Spain and in Italy and in Germany. And then they come to the Premier League and they just can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's mental or whether it's just the physical pace and the toll of the game, some guys just can't do it. But then you've got guys like Troy Deeney, who, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't exactly put him anywhere else and expect much, but, you know, he, he gets it done in the Premier League. He's built for it. He's made for it. So, you know, we've seen I – th- I think we've seen enough of a sample size now from Morata – you know, where Lacazette has come around this year, Morata mm-hmm. has not. Morata may have even regressed. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's Chelsea's biggest problem. But then it's come out, you know, is that um, Hazard to Real Madrid is pretty much a done deal. Uh, I mean, for the summer, for being a free transfer, mm-hmm. wow. which means, A, Chelsea ain't going to get shit back. And B, Chelsea's just going to lose their best player. And and not only their best player, their best player by a long stretch at this point. Yeah. Um, especially when you consider Willian and Alexis – or not, not Alexis, um, Pedro, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you consider those guys, plus your Murata, plus your Giroud, those guys just aren't – I mean, they're on the backside of their career. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a really interesting um, – connection for Chelsea looking at Christian Pulisic mm-hmm. uh, and being one of the big names in for Pulisic because, you know, if you oh, well, would Pulisic come right in and play? Well, hell, if he didn't, it wouldn't be long because, I mean, they're, they're just getting old. Yeah. And they've got to refresh that attack. And, uh, you know, especially if, um, if um, Hazard leaves, I think it's going to get even tougher to refresh that attack because now there ain't shit there for anybody to walk into. Mm-hmm. So Chelsea are kind of Chelsea are kind of walking the tightrope, not quite as much as United. And sorry, definitely is not under any pressure at Chelsea right now as manager, uh, but they could be walking the tightrope. They're about to fall off just because would be such a massive blow. I don't think there's one player in the Premier League that means more to his team than Hazard means to Chelsea. I think you're right. Given the overall quality of the team around him, I would agree with that. Well, I mean, because you look at, you know, we talked about earlier in the year, you know, well, De Bruyne going down, what's this going to mean for City? They didn't lose. (laughs) You know, Liverpool have had guys in and out some this year. It hasn't hurt them. You know, those teams have the depth. You know, Tottenham Tottenham are always fighting with an injury up front, it seems like. (laughs) Whether it be Kane or Son or Lamella or Erickson, someone They've been okay. I mean, they've been able to get – they can get through it. You take Hazard out of that Chelsea squad, <laughs> buddy, it, it, ugh, it gets real ugly for that crew if you take Hazard out. Yeah, and that is one reason why I think earlier when you said um, – you predicted earlier this season Arsenal might slip into that top four ahead of Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I think it could still happen. Um, if, if Chelsea right. do start to kind of fall apart, and the talent I just don't think is there <laughs> to maintain right. a, a – a, grind throughout the entire season and again chelsea also in europa league and we know how well that goes sometimes <sighs> love the europa league gotta bring, gotta bring home a trophy absolutely um might be their only way into the champions league next year <clears throat> um 
Tottenham now in third place as we move up. Uh, of course, we already mentioned their match against Arsenal in the North London Derby, falling 4-2 after being up 2-1 at halftime. Uh, they come out today against Southampton in the midweek and just thoroughly batter them around. 3-1 is the victory. A late, late, late consolation goal from Charlie Austin is all Southampton can muster as Kane, Son, and Lucas Mora all on the score sheet for Tottenham in the first hour of play. Um, this is a match uh, where I guess Tottenham could have felt some effects. They've played you know, three big matches in a row. They had the match at home against Chelsea. Then in midweek, they have Inter at home to try and salvage, or not salvage, but maintain some hold on a Champions League season. And then they have Arsenal, the letdown there, and now they have to come out and try to get up for Southampton. And they did. And I think that that deserves a lot of credit uh, for a team that hasn't been super consistent this year yet in terms of how well they play. And we've seen a couple times, I believe, against Watford uh, and maybe one or two more times where they just don't come out fully firing. Um, That didn't happen today against Southampton. Southampton had a couple big chances but they never capitalized on them, and just about every chance Tottenham had, they capitalized on it very well. So I give Tottenham a lot of credit for bouncing back. Still don't think they're anywhere at their best yet, but they're starting to get more healthy. Danny Rose and Kieran Trippier back in the 11 today. Uh, Vertonghen coming back, got a nice day off after picking up a red card in the North London Derby. <laughs> so already got that suspension taken care of, so he's back for this yeah. weekend. Um, very smart man, knowing he was already going to get off in rotation this week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Alderweireld is still there. Juan Foyth has, be- has started to step up. Um, this team is, is starting to maybe round into form even after the, the somewhat poor performance in the second half. At, uh, at the Emirates. So right now, and I'll, I'll cap my thoughts with this, I do believe that we have started to hit a stratus point of there's a top two in the league, there is then a next three, and then there's like 10 teams who are in the mid-table right now. Um, and I will say out of those three teams, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham, North London Derby aside, I think, Chelsea, or, sorry, I think Tottenham is head not head and shoulders but a head above both of those other two teams <clears throat> excuse me you're fine um to me the biggest thing tottenham have to do going forward mm-hmm. is tottenham have to find a way to control some results sure and i say that as in folks there's one team in this league that has not and that is Tottenham Hotspur. 15 yeah. matches, 11 wins, four no draws. And, uh, you know, you might be sitting home going, yes. Yeah, so. Folks, do you know how hard it is not to draw a soccer match? It's very hard. I mean, there are teams who set up to play 0-0. Zero, zero. <laughs> and somehow Tottenham has not found any of them. Um, and, and unfortunately for them, a few of those losses, you know, if they turn those into draws, they're in a stronger position going forward. Um, and I think that's something that they just need to kind of work at is, you know, sometimes you just get into a situation where you're not going to win a match. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to worry about not losing a match. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of hit Tottenham a few times this year. But, I mean, that is a very, to me, that's a minor defect. Mm-hmm. I would say um, with Tottenham, you still do somewhat get the heckle uh, 
wait a minute, how do I want to say Heckle and Jekyll? Heckle and Jide? Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> I don't think either of us got it right. Shuck and Jive. Shuck and Jive. There you go. You still get that Jekyll and Hyde thing from mm-hmm. Tottenham everywhere, from Tottenham, where, you know, you look at those two teams above them right now, and you basically nine times out of ten know what you're going to get from City. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, we figured out that we're going to get from this year. <laughs> Um, it's not what we expected, but it's kind of what we're getting. Where with Tottenham, Tottenham is just a team that can go from these epic highs mm-hmm. to, oh, God, we don't want to be here this week. <laughs> and, and they Tottenham seem to have this this thing where they just they switch off a little too often. But here's the thing. They're so fucking talented. Yeah. And they can play such sumptuous football that – you can be the most pissed off human being in the world, Tottenham. Next week, you're you're in love again, mm-hmm. and that's just that's Tottenham football this year. And if they can just kind of get control over those matches, show up and they're just unbelievably flat. Mm-hmm. If they can just find themselves a level from that, you know, you don't have to be world beaters every week. But you've got to at least find that balance where it's like, okay, look, we're not scoring five goals a day, but we need to get two. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We've already given one up, and, you know, we're not looking great at the – Larice just does shit sometimes. Um, you know, but we need to figure out how to walk out of here at 2-2 instead of trying to open it up and force it so much that we lose 4-2. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought – I saw a, a wee bit, and I hate to say this – because this is a team that has obviously grown up and they've gotten more mature. But I saw a little bit of naivete the other day against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. It's like suddenly when things started going against them, they couldn't they couldn't slow it down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the biggest thing to me that's keeping them out of the title race this year. Um, now they're definitely nailed on in that top four race. And if you ask me, they are the third best team. Um, but that's what's kind of keeping them from taking maybe that next step. Mm-hmm. But that's it. I mean, when you start going down that roster, God, it's just fantastic talent, man. I mean, when you've got a Harry Kane up front, you've got a uh, Hyung Min Son, and you've got Christian Eriksen, and you know, you've got those guys, and you've got the potential to dominate a midfield everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the potential is there for Tottenham to – you know, pull themselves away even from the Chelsea Arsenal group. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you look back at a couple, or not a couple, because they've only had four losses this year, but, you know, they have the 2-1, the weird 2-1 loss at Watford, um, the 2-1 loss against at home against Liverpool, which, even though they didn't play super well, could have right. almost been a draw. Uh, right. The 1-0 loss at home to Manchester City, which... I think a lot of teams would actually take at this point in the season. And then last week's North London Derby. So they haven't even gotten blown out a lot except for this, this right. Arsenal match. Um, they just, as, as you said, it did kind of start to snowball in that second half and Tottenham just couldn't get control of it. But uh, again, that is why I do give them a little bit of credit for coming out as they did against Southampton today because they could have come out a bit punch drunk. And they came out and just took care of business. 
And I think that that's, that's a little bit of what we need to see from Spurs going forward is, okay, you took a punch, and now three days later you have to play again. Not against great competition. No, Nobody's saying Southampton's good. But they did get a, a, a decisive victory today. Um, so now let's talk about the top two. Clearing away the top two uh, in the Premier League so far this season. And we'll start with Liverpool. Um, an interesting pair of matches. Um, to yeah. Today's it's match where at, at the hour mark I was about to text you. Oh man, it's... It's that weekday match at Burnley on the road that, that comes to bite Liverpool again. And then things went is, okay. Is, is Burnley the new uh, uh, cold weekday night at Stoke? Yes, it is. Pour is one the out. cold weekday night at uh, Turf War? Pour one out for Mark Hughes. Um, we'll get to that later. Um, and <laughs> hey, Burnley, give, give Burnley credit. The last minute of that match, they had a chance to actually pick up a draw. Uh, but hey, because Liverpool has a competent goalkeeper now, they didn't, and they were able to turn around and get the three-one victory. Um, but of course, the big match of their week was the uh, Merseyside derby, uh, which they haven't lost, I believe, since I don't know who do the young kids like these days. Ariana Grande. Since Ariana Grande has been alive, they well, haven't Ed, lost at home. Now, Ed, you, you know, speaking of Ariana Grande, I mean, you know, I I enjoy a good tune every now and then. I know you do. I enjoy a good tune, and Ed, I have a tune that can historically help people who don't remember the last time that Everton won at Anfield. It can help them remember. Ed, would you like to hear my tune? I don't see that I have a choice, but sure, go ahead. I don't have a choice. Now, you may have heard a, a very before, <laughs> but this is this one. You haven't won at Anfield. You haven't won at Anfield. You haven't won at Anfield. Since 1999, since 1999, that's right, folks, the Clinton administration was in-house the last time Everton won at Manfield. And it just gets better by the year because now we just, now we just get off at ripping their hearts out of their chest. Yeah. Um, Oh, boy. Uh, (laughs) Divock Origi, two minutes into the extra two minutes after the four minutes of stoppage time were played. Finally, Nets Liverpool, their lone goal of the match, but what a goal it was. The 10,000-pound goal, I'm going to call it, uh, because that's how much Klopp had to pay for it. Um, but Liverpool gets... He would gladly pay it again. I, I'm sure he will. He'll try to control himself, though. I'm, I'm sure he will. Liverpool sure. getting the 1-0 victory over Everton. So... <sighs> It's so weird, Wes, because there's a lot of times I've looked at Liverpool this year and I have I don't see them as this strong, dominating, swashbuckling team. And then I look at the table and I see a zero in the loss column for them. And you made a little bit of a reference to this earlier in the pod. It's not really the Liverpool we expected to see, but it's the Liverpool we probably expected to get the results that they have. So it's it's been a very winding, different road than it took to get here, but the destination was what we expected. So, I, I, I as you mentioned earlier, Liverpool's going to round into form eventually, I guess. Um, and when they do, they'll be great. I just hope that once they do round into form, they're still within striking distance of City like they are now. Right. Um... 
So many things to hit here. Um, just, just starting off with what we were talking about before. We expected, after last season, we expected that pressing, pushing, swashbuckling style where Liverpool, with, with all this great attacking talent and the improvements made in midfield, oh, my God, who was going to keep Liverpool from scoring five a match? Everybody, apparently. Well, yeah, apparently everybody. Um <laughs> Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp has traded the ultra explosiveness for solidity at the back. Um, the Virgil van Dyke Joe Gomez partnership. And just within the last, God, 18 months, when would I have ever said Liverpool have the best defense in the Premier League? They have the best center back pairing in the league, and they have the best keeper in the league. Literally never. Jesus Christ. I mean, we, I never thought this was going to be the way we did it, you know. I always thought we were going to have to find a way to win a bunch of four to three matches. <laughs> Truly a new day. And instead, now 15 matches in, Liverpool have given up six goals in the Premier League season. <laughs> I mean, it's been just stunning. And then even playing through injuries. You know, today we played Moreno and Joel Maddock. Mm-hmm. And started Joe Gomez at right back, and he got hurt. And my God, I'm just terrified. I'm terrified of an MRI for Joe Gomez. Yeah. Just Jesus, pray for us. Pray for us. Um, and, and Liverpool were fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did give up a goal to Burnley, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, a, a quick response. Um, and you know, it, it turns out fine. Three one on the day. Um, they were solid at the back. We early in the season. Liverpool were doing so well at the back that Allison wasn't really even getting anything to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that that has, of course, as as we figured would happen, that has started to change some as the season's gone along. The defense is still rock solid, but now, and you saw it, you saw it these last couple of days. Um, Allison against Everton was our man of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of absolutely world class saves in that match. Um, he has made some phenomenal saves in the last four or five weeks. Um, and today against Burnley, it's exactly what we wanted. We want a great save and then quickly start the attack going the other way. And that's mm-hmm. how our third goal was scored because Allison started the attack. Liverpool had to spend a pot ship of money to get him. And right now, much like Van Dyke, we spent a pot shit of money to get as well. Um, we got bargains on both of them. <laughs> They've been worth. I mean, how often do you get players who are worth every freaking penny penny of a world record transfer? It's true. Ask I mean, United. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you know, you're talking. I mean, guys who are worth the huge money. I mean, you're talking like Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. And after that, I don't. I don't really know because I don't. It's quite as well as he wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, obviously Pogba is Pogba. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, Gareth Bale has been good, not great at Real Madrid, but sometimes it just hits and Klopp has been fantastic in the transfer market. Liverpool have been fantastic in the transfer market under Klopp. And those two are huge reasons why. And those two especially have changed the dynamic of this team. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about having to take chances to try to keep them away from the back. Now it's like, okay, hey, come get us. No problem. We'll sit back and then we'll counter the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and then, like you said as well, you've got a front three that have not hit stride. 
and are just waiting to counter the shit out of you. We're just not scoring the goals yet. <laughs> and you, you've got, you've just got to feel with those guys that eventually they're going to start going in. And when they do, it could be, holy shit, here we go. Um, you know, especially if they're not, um, you know, sacrificing that back solidity for it. You're starting to see the summer signings. Fabinho is starting to play more. Um, and he's looking better and better as he goes. Today was by far the best we've seen of Nabi Keita this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, lo- he, was, he was the man of the match today um, against uh, Burnley. You're seeing a Liverpool team that they are doing it differently. As we said, it's not what we expected. It's not this high-scoring, you know, free-flowing, fun-loving Liverpool of, of really the last six or seven years, all the way back to Brendan Rodgers. This is a mature Liverpool team that understands that it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. I think they learned from watching City last season. I think Klopp learned, you know, if I want, you know, I can I can go for the top four every year, and I can probably get there most years because we're good enough. We play a style that will score goals, but we'll just have some nail biters, but we'll never win the league. Mm-hmm. I think Klopp decided we want to win the Premier League look at we've got to look at what city did which is win the marathon mm-hmm. and liverpool right now look like they are 100 percent in this and and should continue to be in this because attacks come and go at times but if you are solid defensively if you have great goalkeeping that doesn't just go away mm-hmm. that is easier to maintain because it's guys just doing their job and it's not so much how the ball falls in front of you sometimes. Um, through 15 matches, you know, Liverpool, all those league titles, 18 league titles. are. This is their highest ever point total through 15 matches. Mm-hmm. 39 points. The only, the only reason Liverpool are not on a historic pace is because, my God, City's on a <laughs> Crazy. historic pace. I mean that that and that's what's so damn crazy about the Premier League is you know we've seen where one team can run away with it and have a massive season. We've seen it the last two years with Chelsea and City, but neither of those years did either of them really have a contender. And here we are into December, and you've got two still undefeated teams that are on just a massive rate of picking up points this season. Mm-hmm. If they can continue it, January 2nd, January 2nd, hold on, look at my calendar really quickly. Uh, January 3rd. Yeah. January 3rd. Yes. At the Etihad, Liverpool, Manchester United. 3 p.m. start. Mm. Yeah, 3 p.m. start. I mean, it's Delicious. right there. You know, It's your prime time. I mean, it's it's the one. That is That is – that potentially will be the biggest match of the season in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Liverpool have had a hoodoo over City for a long time at, at Anfield as well. But Liverpool are one team that they're not – Liverpool are not intimidated to go to the Etihad. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it last year in the Champions League. We've seen it in the past. Liverpool have no problem going to the Etihad and play. Mm-hmm. And that, if Liverpool are still sitting relatively in the same spot, which let's say three points or less, that could be the title decider. 
Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, with just the pace that both these teams are putting up, that could be – well, let's put it this way. It might not win Liverpool, mm-hmm. but it could certainly win City the title. Yeah. With the yeah. pace they're putting up. Because mm-hmm. I think if I think if Liverpool get outside of that one-game striking distance on City, it, it could it could start to get away from them. Mm-hmm. And it's just because City are showing no signs of slowing down. Now that's in, and here's the thing: you've got to assume because this is just how it typically happens. Sooner or later, Liverpool and City are going to lose. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to go through a three or four game stretch where shit ain't working. Who can pull a draw out of a couple of those matches? Who can win an ugly one without losing the plot of the entire season? Mm-hmm. Will it be City? Will it be Liverpool? It is. It is going to be a fascinating. Uh, now, of course, we got to get through December. Yeah, December is so big because there's so many fucking games in December. But if you get through December and it is a title race come January, we could see that title race go down to the line, which would be fantastic because we just haven't seen that forever in the. <laughs> I know, and let's so let's talk about that other team, West, as we as we yeah. wrap up our Premier League coverage. Man City, uh, a little bit of a scare yesterday as Watford pulled to within one against them at Vicarage Road, but City held on to their 2-1 lead. Uh, and then on the weekend, as I'm pulling it up here, as my internet begins to act very, very, very slow. The internet on oh, this weekend is uh, Chelsea City? Uh, no, the past weekend. Past weekend. When they played oh, Bournemouth. Crap. That's right. Um, they play, they play Arsenal this weekend? No, they played Bournemouth. We played Arsenal. Oh. I thought Liverpool, no, Liverpool played Bournemouth this weekend. I'm talking about the past weekend. We're, we're, oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry, I thought you were looking at. No, no, we'll look ahead in a minute. In a minute, in a little bit after we talk about City. I'm uh, so excited. I know it's so much fun. Uh, Manchester City also beat Bournemouth three-one. A match I thought Bournemouth could give them a little bit of trouble. Uh, Bournemouth did go into the half at one-one after a Callum Wilson goal in the 44th minute. Did look like Bournemouth had actually grown into the game and was starting to give City some problems and. I mean, Bournemouth is going to give teams problems this year. They're just that good up front. Um, but City just ended up overpowering them with goals from Sterling and Gundogan uh, towards the end of the, the game. And uh, City comes out with a 3-1 win, so another perfect six-point stretch for them. Uh, as you said, Wes, this is this is a train that is just fiery on all cylinders right now. They, you know, at the beginning of the season, we thought, well, there's no way they can actually, you know, Get on that hundred point pace again, and uh, well, they they might be doing that again. And they're not; they're actually on a better path. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, we were right, I guess. Um, Ch- they do have Chelsea coming up. They do have Everton coming up. For what that's worth, uh, in the, in this big holiday period, then Palace, City, Southampton, as you mentioned, of course, on uh, January third, they do have Liverpool. Um, but West, they have for the most part been blowing out teams especially in the Premier League up to this Watford 2-1 victory it was Bournemouth 3-1 West Ham 4-0 United 3-1 Southampton 6-1 Tottenham 1-0 Burnley 5-0 and then the 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 original draw uh, at Anfield against Liverpool Um, now the Champions League hasn't gone perfectly for them you know Leon has apparently found this magical formula that Liverpool found um but other than that this this seems like a team that just has so many 
weapons, offensive, defensive, you name it, they have an answer. And I just, I'm, I, I'm very scared that what you said is right. That if City win that match on January third, mm-hmm. that that's it. That's the league, and that there's no way to catch up to them. So this is, this is something we've seen dominant teams before in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them were this strong. No, they weren't. I mean, you know, we've seen. I mean, God, you, you know, just. I mean, even the Chelsea, or not the, well, the great Chelsea teams weren't this strong. Um, the whole, uh, you know, Arsenal as the Invincibles weren't putting it up like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy that the great United teams putting it up like this. I mean, this is a, as much as we don't like it in the moment <laughs> because our teams are behind them. I mean, we are seeing greatness from City. Mm-hmm. In in the league, we're seeing greatness from them, and yeah, they've spent a lot of money. This is the most offensively assembled team of all time. We know that, um, and that's one thing for them to hang their hats on. But at the same time, you know Pep Guardiola, who everyone knows here, I'm not the mm-hmm. Pep Guardiola fan. Of mm-hmm. I think Pep Guardiola, his first season in England when they finished third. Mm-hmm. I think he took the lessons to heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he took those lessons and he has made himself, he's evolved as a manager. As I said earlier, I think Jurgen Klopp's doing the same thing. You know, they're taking the lessons of disappointment past heart and they have richly improved their squads. Um, you know, now it helps for City when you can just put phenomenal player after phenomenal player. Oh, sure. Out there, no matter who's injured. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, arguably the best player in the Premier League last year. I say arguably because Mo Salah won the award and everybody argued. <laughs> so, oh, it should have been De Bruyne. Well, I mean, this season, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the greatness of Kevin De Bruyne. But after a couple games, I kind of forgot that Kevin De Bruyne was gone. Yeah, I agree with that, yes. I mean, it was just, okay, he's not here. Well, Bernardo Silva's really fucking good. <laughs> Ryan Morris is really fucking good. You know? And suddenly it's like, okay, I mean, they didn't, they did not miss a beat mm-hmm. without Kevin De Bruyne. And now he's coming back and it's just like, oh, yeah, now we get to throw Kevin De Bruyne back. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> you know, what the hell, man? <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, that's that's just what City have going in their favor right now. Um, and, and add on to it the fact that their players, a lot of their players, their younger players are getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, America Laporte, his second year, second season here in England, oh, he's gosh, looking yes. a whole much, much better player. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's making his case to start for the French team now. For You know, France have, have Umtiti and Varane as their starting center backs, and suddenly Laporte's like, Fuck that, man. Let me in. I can play. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I was going to have to say nice things about him. Raheem Sterling. Pretty good. As long as he's not playing at Anfield. Damn. You know, Raheem Sterling's getting it. You know, we said last year we kind of were like, oh, well, you know, you know, cheat goals. And they were. And he still is to an extent. But man, at the same time, he's getting in the right place. And he's there to get the, you know, he's there to put in the back of the net. And sometimes that's just what you need. You see somebody who put the ball in the back of the net. 
And Raheem Sterling's turned into a, a, a striker kind of before our eyes. And, and here's the thing. I mean, it's nice when you can have Gabriel Jesus and be like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't play too much. <laughs> because suddenly Kun Aguero, who you've written off, you know, oh, well, Aguero's time. No, he's good. Yeah. He's still better than just about everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, you brought in Mares, who's playing not so much a bit part, but, I mean, he's certainly not playing the part that we saw him play at Leicester. I mean, it's it's an incredibly put-together team. And I don't think they're getting quite the – I don't think they're getting quite the press that they got last year. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, last year at this time they were running away with the league. But man, they're, ju- they're just as good, if not better, this year. Absolutely. And um, it is it is super impressive. I'm, I personally, as you folks know, I'm hoping to catch them, obviously. But, uh, you know, what they're doing is special. For them, the next step, obviously, is the Champions League. Uh, they've, they've already qualified for the knockout stages, which was bare minimum for them this year, getting the knockout stages, bare minimum. Um, fully expected to get there, mm-hmm. as it well should be. And they're there. Leon gave them some shoes. Uh, that said, Leon looks like the next great um, continental team that's going to get picked and pecked by everybody. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that, but, you know, they look where they've got half a dozen guys who within two years are not going to be playing for Leon, <laughs> And they're going to be in the Premier League or Spain so, or, or Italy. So, um, you know, enjoy it while you can down the Leon fans. Uh, but – I mean, for City, they're doing they're doing exactly what they were supposed to do, plus a little more, if you ask me. Just with the whole fact about losing De Bruyne, I'm super impressed with uh, City this year. Absolutely, it's it's impossible not to be at this point, and and the job they have done, and they are in that two team race right now, and they do just seem to have just a slight edge over Liverpool. But if they can each yeah. survive the gauntlet up to uh, January third, that is going to be one hell of a match coming up at 3 p.m. Eastern that day. But we, again, have a long ways to go until we get there. Uh, This week and coming up, your schedule looks like this. On Saturday, uh, 7.30 a.m., it's Bournemouth versus Liverpool. Tricky match. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, that's that's one to... Let's see what what the 2018 version of Liverpool... Let's see what they do here because... In the past, this is a this is a four four match in the past. Yes, this we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, at ten a.m., you also get Arsenal versus Huddersfield, United versus Fulham. Boy, that has to be a win for them. Uh, you, West Ham versus Palace, Burnley versus Brighton and Hove, Cardiff versus Southampton, and then at twelve thirty, you get Chelsea versus Man City. Let's see if Chelsea can regroup a little bit at home at Stamford Bridge. Maybe Man City their first loss of the season. And then at 245 at the KP, it's Leicester versus Tottenham. Those also tend to be kind of exciting adventures. Uh, at 11 a.m. on Sunday, your only match on Sunday, Newcastle hosts Wolves. And then on Monday Night Football and NBC Sports, Everton versus Watford. And, of course, the Champions League is also back next week where we play the final matches of the group stage there. Uh, can, can, I throw, can I throw one thing in? Since sure. we've, <clears throat> we've really concentrated on – the big six, I'm going to say the top six, but the big six. Yes. I just, I do want to throw one thing out um, for that team that is in sixth place. Mm-hmm. Um, Everton Football Club. I'm going to tell you now, I, I did sing my little ditty earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, we all enjoyed my ditty. I had to give everyone the history lesson. Yes. 
And the blue the blue shite cannot beat us at Anfield. We know that. But I'm gonna tell you, man, you want to talk about team two that is coming around, that's coming along mm-hmm. and is hitting a stride and is figuring some things out. Man, this this is probably this is this is maybe the best Everton team in recent memory. Marco Silva's done really good work there. And once again, kind of like Unai Emery, you only see them improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're playing an exciting brand of football. This isn't this isn't your brother's Everton, where you know David Moyes was like, hey, "I want to find it out." And I'm talking, Annie. You know, you know, we're past that. Marco Silva's playing a fantastic brand of football. Um, <clears throat> this is a team that's this is a team that's had some longtime stalwarts, guys like Leighton Baines, um, Phil Jagielka, guys like that, who Silva has had to phase out mm-hmm. and bring in younger talent. And now you're seeing guys like Jerry Mina, mm-hmm. um, uh, a couple other guys, you know, Bernard is in there. Um, and this is a group now that suddenly this is definitely not the Sam Allardyce Everton. No, God, no. Um, this is an Everton team that suddenly has some hope that things are looking up for. Um, you know, Europa could be calling, um, which it's like mm. everyone's worth. But yeah, this is an Everton team that I think going forward this is a squad that you're not just going to chalk up an automatic win against Everton anymore. Absolutely not. This is, this is a much improved Everton side from what we thought coming into the season. Um, and as you said, Wes, they do sit in sixth place as we run down the table. Man City is in first place over Liverpool by two points. That's a six-point gap to Tottenham in third. Uh, Chelsea and Arsenal are joint fourth, uh, separated by a goal differential. Then it's that eight-point gap to Everton, Bournemouth, and Man United at 23 points apiece. Uh, as we look at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, uh, Huddersfield right now just on the outside. It's almost a different team every week, I swear. Uh, Ten points they have. Three teams are at nine. Those are Southampton, Burnley, and Fulham. Uh, those are all in the danger zone right now. Uh, but, hey, Cardiff is only two points clear. Palace, just three points clear. Um, but Newcastle, they have kind of dug themselves a little bit of breathing room. They're four points clear, but a lot of teams just really constricted down there for those uh, those relegation spots. And the craziness of all of those teams, who the hell would have thought Burnley would pull off this much? It, uh, I, I you want to really... talk? You want to talk about not just drink, yeah, but shotgunning from the poison chapter? <laughs> My they're God. not even I mean, in they, Europa anymore. They're still exactly. Like, I mean, they didn't even qualify out of the group stage, I guess, of your however you want to call it, the qualification stage. Yeah, yeah. and still it took their toll and has just fucking murdered them. Mm. I mean, so much so that Sean Dice suddenly is getting somewhat on a hot seat there. Yeah. Which, I mean, a year ago the guy was basically manager of the year, mm-hmm. and now he's on the hot seat. And and unfortunately for Burnley, it just doesn't look like it's going to turn around. They're just not good. It's it's really bad. They can't score goals. Um, so now we take a quick look at the uh, the FA Cup draw here. Uh, that starts in January, so yay. Uh, a couple notable matches. Um, you do have some. You have two, from what I can see here, Prem versus Prem matchups. One is Bournemouth versus Brighton Hove. The other is Liverpool has to go to Wolves. That because, is... of course, when the hell was the last time we played a non prem <laughs> Oh, it's tough. It's so tough. Thanks a lot, FA. Yeah, look, we know the FA hates 
Liverpool? Of course. Because because we made our bones being a European team. <laughs> Fuck the FA. Oh. Stupid cup. We'll win it anyway. Other other teams uh, include Arsenal and Tottenham getting hopefully easy draws. Both of them going on the road, but Tottenham will play either Tranmere Rovers from League Two or Southport from another league <laughs> that is below that. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and we're playing damn Wolves Ars- at the Molino. Jesus. Ar- Arsenal will either play at Blackpool from League One or Sulihul Moors, which I don't think is a real place um, from a team outside of the Football League. I think they're, a cre- they're like a created uh, FIFA there you go. That's what it is. Uh, They're a FIFA ultimate team. <laughs> Man City, not quite as lucky. They're playing championship side Rotterdam. And uh, where where is United on this list? Who's going to upset United? Uh, or, or, which uh, which team had to draw weaklings in United? Who got their bye? Oh, United gets a home match against Reading. So, there you go. Good for you. Good Shit, for you. Watch Reading beat him. Call it right now. There you go. Going out there. All right, let's hit the news and notes. Uh, We mentioned pour one out for Mark Hughes earlier uh, because he is gone from Southampton and his replacement has already been found and already got picked up his first loss. So that's good. Uh, Ralph Heisenhutel. I believe I pronounced that right. Um, Thank you. Good job, Ed. It's not Celtic. (laughs) Or or Ajax. Um, Or Ajax. I said it right that time just to throw you off. Uh, Comes over from Leipzig. Uh, to join Southampton, um, obviously put in some great work at Red Bull, really brought them up last year and, and had mm-hmm. some really strong performances. So we'll have to see if he's able to uh, to keep them out of the relegation zone. Um, but that was not the only managerial hire of the week. Um, Greg Bearhalter is going to be the next USMNT coach. Took him a year to get to the choice everybody thought they were going to make last December. Here we are in 2018, and it's, it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. Hey, Greg well, you know, Bearhalter might be good. Columbus Crew season was more important than the men's now. Yeah, they, hey, save the crew. I would, uh, I would like done. to go ahead and um, submit for approval um, that Bearhalter shot in for He's Big Bear. Yeah, big, big old cuddly Bearhalter. Um, so he is gonna, he's going to come in. Um, only two candidates were interviewed in this year. Um, the other one was FC Dallas coach, because of course it was, Oscar Parea. Um, oh, so none of them were Tata Martino, huh? No. no yeah. No, no yeah. it's not. Yeah. So, so um, Mexico wins again. So, yay. I'm sure this this MLS coach will do wonders for, for Team well, USA. I'm sure this is the one. Don't worry. This is the one, guys. Don't worry. He'll yeah. he'll get us there. Because it's worked every other time. So. Uh, in somehow I think less depressing news. Um I believe we talked about this. Did, or, or were you not I can't remember when this happened now. Um No, I guess this it's happened so last weird. week, so I guess you weren't live on the pod. Um the Copa Libertadores final. Uh oh, looks, God. I wanted to talk about that so bad. Yeah, let's talk about it now. It, it, all I'll say is um, that it looks like they might be moving this to uh, to the Bernabeu uh, over over in uh, in Madrid. And again, to recap the story, 
Tensions ran high in the second league of the Copa Libertadores uh, with the two Argentina sides, uh, River Plate and Boca Juniors. Um, shit went down, and now they might have to move the second leg of the final off the continent. That's how bad this was. Um, but, Wes, you know, again, I did talk about this a little bit last week when you weren't here, so please, I am, I would love to hear your thoughts on this absolute shit show of a story. I mean, basically what we're looking at is River Plate and Boca Jr. Mm-hmm. playing for the biggest prize in South American football. Mm-hmm. And what you folks have to understand is Boca versus River Plate. I mean, this is like Yankees, Red Sox, Cowboys, Redskins, Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State. While adding a nasty, criminal, ultraviolet South American flavor to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you you know, it's cute. During during Michigan week in Ohio, they cross out all the M letters. You don't say the letter M. Adorable. In in example, you know, if, if you were talking about the state of Montana, it would be Montana. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> That's cute. They slit throats in, in, uh, in Argentina. Houses were burned down. I mean, yes, houses were burned down. People get fucked up over this. You know, some trees got poisoned after the Alabama. Mm -hmm. Humans got poisoned here. Um, It it was a massive shit show from hell. That said, I'm of the opinion that they should try it again and not play this damn game in Spain. Because why? (laughs) Fuck Spain. Okay. I mean, this is the biggest match in all of South American football. So let's go play it in Spain. Okay, I'm with you. No. I'm with you to the point of <laughs> of they should try to play it and not play it in Spain. I don't think they should but play it in Argentina. But you know me. I like a good shit show sometimes. <laughs> I, I like a good one. I'm like genuinely worried after what happened to the Boca Juniors and Carlos Devas. Not that I... Give a shit about Carlos Tevez. So a player could actually be killed. I and I'm not even joking when I say that. Oh, we're not at this time. I mean, Ed, listen. I've lived through Rocky Mount Northern Nash. I think oh, we can God. handle Boca Juniors uh, River Play. I mean, I say bring it, bring it to Rocky Mount. Hey, we got a event center now. Hey, there you go. I heard it's doing great. Yeah, yeah. From from what I understand, even though nobody actually buys tickets to go there, I heard it's doing great. <laughs> They're having to give everything away for free, and they've already fired the uh, fired the uh, location manager. So. When I said I heard it doing great, I have heard literally nothing about it. I've just seen a few pictures. It's a shit show. It's oh, that's show. so that's great. I'm so um, happy. Yeah, but speaking of shit shows, back to Argentina. Yes. Um, okay, you don't want to play Argentina, that's fine. But you find somewhere else to play it. I mean, going to Spain? Uh, I don't know. It just it takes. I understand wanting to calm the situation, but it takes too much out in Spain. Who in Spain gives a shit about Boca Juniors and River Plate? Not many people, I imagine. I mean, I imagine that's Juniors, kind of the point, though. Yeah, but still, um, if I was River Plate, and River Plate is playing this under uh, protest mm-hmm. because they're like, wait a minute, we don't want to go to Spain and play this because and here's my thing: Boca got a home match. Mm-hmm. They got a home match. And now yeah. I remember playing, I'm like, wait, my home match is... What the hell is this? Yes. So, I mean, there, to me, there there is no good explanation. The best thing would have been to do is to cancel the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, obviously you're not going to do that, but it is, it is truly a shit show down there. And folks, that is why I love living in America. <laughs> because once again, some trees got poisoned out at Tumor's Corner. You know, the Carolina fans talk shit about the Duke fans. They cross out the M's at Michigan Ohio State. The Red Sox and Yankees might have a little player and brawl once a season. But you know, in baseball, nobody's throwing real punches. Yeah. Nobody's getting glass in their eye. No, there's too much money to be lost for anyone to get in a real. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's something out there, man. It is a different culture. You know, it is, uh, it is a throwback to the old England hooligan culture, which in Europe has mostly been eradicated out. Mm -hmm. But in South America, brother, that is the wild, wild west. Yeah. And um, it's it's a bad situation for everyone involved. Appreciate FIFA trying to step in. Good good job, guys. Yeah, yeah, because you guys just fix everything, don't you? Um, literally, they fix everything. Real quick, speaking of fixing, and you know, yeah, exactly. and, and shit shows and other, and other things that are right up with. Uh, no, I don't think we're getting to your story yet. Um, Cameroon has been dropped as the African <laughs> Cup host uh, just six months from the kickoff, according to uh, this article from APNews.com. From Gerald, Gerald Emery and Andrew Jackson Oriada. Um, there's only a, some stadiums have only been half built, and there's a violent separatist rebellion. So, mm, Cameroon, sorry, won't be able to do it. Uh, it's the fourth successive time Africa's top soccer tournament has had to change host country at the last minute. So, that's me. I'm sorry. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> It's the fourth straight time they've had to change it. It is. Even to South Africa every time. Come on. It is what it is, and we're just gonna move on. What's the problem? All the Marxist revolutionaries. It's all. Good job. Good job, guys. Again, once again, soccer. Thanks a lot, ISIS. Yeah. Um. All right. So now we're gonna get to the two West Bradshaw stories. And this one, the first one is more of a joke story that Wes gets to laugh at. And the second one is one that might just piss Wes off and make him leave the podcast. Um, first one, uh, the headline article from this, uh, the headline for this article in The Guardian from Sachin Nakrani uh, says, Bournemouth to air quote demanding for dropped mess at Ozil, says Unai Emery. I'm not reading the rest of this article because fuck it. Who cares? That's that's a great headline. Um, I, I just... If there was a game to actually... you know Where you know you need some offensive creativity. Hey, Bournemouth, a team that likes to score goals. Maybe that'd be a good thing for Ozil to start, you know, getting back into the swing of things. But uh, uh, apparently not. So... But but what you have failed to understand there, Arsenal like to stop people from scoring goals this year. Yeah, they try. And Sometimes it doesn't always work, but they try. Yeah, here's the thing. Obviously, this headline means one thing about Unai Emery. What's that? That he listens to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Someone in this world listens to this podcast, <laughs> and it just happens to be the manager of Arsenal football. God, he can't like much of the rest of the stuff we say on this podcast, though. I don't know. I think he listens to us as like, all right, down, write that down. 
Um, I mean, Jesus Christ. He's finally said what we've said forever. Yeah. It's too demanding for Mezzanozo. Mezzanozo needs to take his ass to Spain or France. France would be preferably perfect. Mezzanozo just needs to go to PSG. But, um, I mean, my God, how, how embarrassing for Mezzanozo. And Unai Emery, you know, there is barrier, you know, at times. And I don't exactly know the context that it was set in. You know, it could have meant, you know... I can give you the context maybe, if you'd like. Well, go ahead. I mean, did he have an injury that they're saying? Asked or, about his decision to drop Ozil, who had started each of Arsenal's previous four Premier League games. Emery said, quote, We thought how we can do better in the match, a very demanding match, with physicality and intensity, end quote. Emery added that every player in his squad is important, but resting Ozil after a two-week break... And with Arsenal's next game being Thursday's Europa League visit to Vorskla Poltava, when the manager is expected to rest a host of first-team players, is odd to say the least. And is, hmm, that's my editorializing, hmm, hmm. The decision is also somewhat damning of Ozil given Bournemouth are hardly their most rugged of opposition and will only reopen the debate about the playmaker's long-term future under Arsene Wenger's successor. There you go. Well, I mean, once again, Una Emery was stuck with this guy. Yeah. I mean, who in their right mind is coming in? Oh, yes. Shit. Yeehaw! This is why I'm building my team around. No (laughs) one says that. Who says that? No one says that. Other than maybe somebody playing FIFA 19 or football. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, Una Emery, I love this. You know, if you're not going to be tough, then get the fuck out of here. You're not going to play. If you can't do your job, if you can't defend, you're not going to play. Mm-hmm. You know, you can carry – You can maybe sometimes you can carry one guy who's not a great defender who doesn't get back in track. Mm-hmm. But you certainly can't carry more than one. And also with this high-pressing style that Arsenal wants to play, you know, it, it, it's to everybody. Everybody's got to mm-hmm. So until Ozil either gets with the program or the style – I don't see where there's much of a spot for Mezzodozal unless it's maybe as a late impact sub if you're chasing a goal. Yeah. So, you know what? Fuck you, Mezzodozal. Yeah, there you go. Just come straight. Do not. There's your next headline. Why do we not play Mezzodozal? Fuck Mezzodozal. <laughs> if that happens, well, I am definitely claiming full on that he was. That's fine. He says fuck Mezzodozal. That's fine. I, I hope it happens. I, we, we love you, you and I. We don't love your team necessarily, but we love you. And now, folks, if you're ready to hear me say that four-letter F-word, hit <laughs> on to our next time. Final news and notes story. And again, this is what I had to say from last week because I wanted to talk about it, but I wanted Wes to be here for it. Headline from this article in uh, Bleacher Report from Gianni Verschwerin. Uh, UEFA reportedly... Covered up failed Sergio Ramos doping test after the 2017 UCL final. Now, it's very important to note that this was the 2017 final right. against uh, Atletico Madrid. Oh, sorry, over Juventus, uh, Juventus. Over Juventus, which they won 4-1. Not last uh, season's final against Liverpool. Very, very important to note that. But, but Wes, I believe, I believe we've had strong opinions if we've had strong opinions of Mesut Ozil, I believe we've also had strong opinions about one Sergio Ramos. So, uh, so that is what has happened here. Um, of course, of course, Real Madrid has denied it. 
Uh, Sergio Ramos has denied it. Um, but uh, according to Martin Ziegler on Twitter, he said that he escaped action after the team doctor said he filled in the wrong corticosteroid on the doping form. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what happened, Wes. Nothing shady there. Because that pillar of upstandingness of Sergio Ramos, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one. Fuck Sergio Ramos. There it is. And fuck FIFA for covering up for Real Madrid. Because Real Madrid is that it's that's and they cover for him. We know they do. They, Real Madrid, you know, when it it comes to uh, favorable officiating, it comes to you know favorable everything basically. And here you are, you cover up a doping, a doping charge. And you know what? It might have been something as simple as that, but such a track history of Real Madrid seemingly getting away with shit that no one else would. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, okay, so they, okay. So, and, and Ramos got to play. Well, I if like the shoe was on the other foot. If that had happened, Benut, I would have loved to have seen if you was oh yeah, it's cool. Go ahead. Because we don't enforce our rules. I like this one. Uh, per Der Spiegel, Ramos compliance with doping authorities was again called into question when Real faced Malaga in April. The 32-year-old was asked for a urine sample and told he couldn't shower before providing it. Despite this, he showered in front of the officer, which one, ew, two, (laughs) what the fuck? Exactly. And there's no, there's no responsibility held. Oh, Sergio Ramos. We can't possibly hold him to a standard that we hold every other fucking player on. No, why would we do that? It's so fucking it's so dumb. Oh, all right. That's 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 how we're gonna end news and notes. Wes, let's hit the watch for. What have you been watching in the week that was or the week that will be? Uh, we are at fall finale time. Yeah, huh? which is always inter- is always a cool time. Because, um, you know, everything's kind of wrapping up, but also setting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my shows leave me with a fucking cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Sorry, folks. I'm in, I'm in an F-word mood tonight. I interrupt at work today, and uh, I'm getting to take it out tonight in the world of footy. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. I'll try to calm down for a minute. It's fine. But any fucking way. <laughs> um, the Walking Dead fall finale mm-hmm. was a holy shit moment. Which, uh, you know, Walking Dead, think of what you will. I think this season has been a really big bounce back season for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Rick Grimes is gone. Yeah, um, gone, but Mark, not forgotten. Because um, well, I mean, you can't there, forget him because there's movies coming out. God, I cannot wait for the movies at this point. But look, what season six and seven did sleep, this mm-hmm. season has brought it back, man. We have now been introduced in our. In our finale for the fall to the whispers mm-hmm. which apparently is a group that and this is this is literally what we got in like the last season they're a group we thought they were walkers apparently they have disguised themselves to walk among the walkers mm-hmm. uh they like uh stitch on zombie faces basically. and they talk which is just creepy and they <laughs> it's creepy as fudge um so, I mean, that was awesome. It was a great... Oh, my God! And we lost one of our main heroes in the last one. Um, 
Spoiler alert, three, two, one. Uh, as, a gr- as the group is trying to escape from the rescue mission at the end, uh, Jesus takes a blade right through the chest. And, I mean, I, I was I was seriously just shocked beyond belief. I mean, Jesus is one of those characters who he's kind of like the, the ninja. Mm-hmm. He's like the really cool, like, mellow, laid-back ninja guy who is – he's the reluctant leader. Uh, but he's just he's, – he's that guy who always goes out of the way to help. And that's what he had done. He had stayed behind to help others escape. And one of the whispers, as it looks like he's just going to kill one last zombie – this whisper just ducks and comes up behind him and drives a knife through his chest. And that's where you're like, holy crap, what just happened here? Because, you know, the zombies never react. Away. Mm-hmm. Keep coming. And that's when we knew we had something crazy going on. And I, I just, I love where it left us. It won't be back until February. They don't come back until after the Super Bowl. So they don't have to deal with NFL uh, ratings. Can't blame them for that. Yeah. You know? um, so it'll be February when that comes back. Um, from what I heard from my mom, because, you know, my mom's my hookup on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, fall finale of SEAL Team took place tonight, actually, while we were on the air. Oh. And apparently that was, as my mom said, she gave it three fire emojis. Oh. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, Lynn knows what straight fire is now. Fire. Scary. Fire. Uh, also, the um, Chicago Fire fall finale happened tonight, which I also have recorded. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot, lot, lot going on right now. Um, what else did I hit on fall finale? I can't remember. But I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy, crazy. This is happening, and I think in the next week I'm going to have to start a new show just so I can do something during the uh, during the winter mm-hmm. uh, time away. So yeah, I get to try a new show. Nice. Uh, well, if you're looking for a new show, can I interest you in one I found this past weekend? A little, a little show. I'm four episodes through of this this season. It's a little show called. Um, let me let me. I gotta pull this up here because um, I actually can't get the full name on my screen. There we go. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Senpai. Can I can I interest you in that? Say that again. Rascal does not dream of Bunny Senpai. Probably not, because that senpai word is weird. Mm. And it means it's one of your weird animes. Oh, it's, mm, it's weirder than you'd think. It deals with the... Um, yeah. So, uh, what instead I'm going to talk about is uh, Superstore and The Good Place. They are both back tomorrow night on NBC. Uh, we're about a month away from Brooklyn Nine-Nine being back on that same network. Nine-Nine! Hell Yeah. And, uh, hey, uh, Doctor Who, the new season, is coming down to its final episode this Sunday. So, as well as a lot of episodes wrapping up for you, a lot of stuff wrapping up for me. Uh, These are actually the last new, uh, actually, no, there is one next week. Uh, The last new Superstore and Good Place of this year. And then they'll come back in January. So, uh, so there will be some more gappage as well coming in that hopefully Bunny Senpai can fill. Don't. Don't watch the show because then that just gets weird. All right. So speaking of weird though, Wes, are we getting so raw tonight? Uh, we are. And I am, <clears throat> I was, I've been, con- what is that damn dog barking at? I've been contemplating recently, Ed, with all that's actually going on in the world of wrestling mm-hmm. and as shitty as WWE's been, which by the way, this past week, 
Uh, this past Monday, uh, WWE suffered some of their lowest ever ratings on Monday mm-hmm. night. And it's because, I'm sorry, the product's garbage at the moment. Yeah. So, Ed, I'm thinking of taking this so raw segment and instead of just breaking down week-to-week WWE storylines, mm-hmm. making it more, you know, the news that's going on around the wrestling world. Okay. And, and you know, hey, if we do get something awesome that happens on Raw, you know, we mm-hmm. more into the, um, you know, hey, here's what's going on. This is cool. You know, this is big and shocking. I mean, you know, if we have some title changes or something like that, you know, we'll bring it up. But I think we're going to we're gonna make So Raw a little more now, weekly little wrestling sports page. Mm-hmm. And this week, we're going to start off, unfortunately, we're going to start off under some very sad circumstances. Um, and this is going to be your main story for the week because I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown, unfortunately, time restraints. Um, today, uh, Tom Billington, uh, mm. known during the 1980s, early 1990s, as the Dynamite Kid, mm-hmm. uh, passed away today at the age of 60. Um, this one kind of hit me hard because I was... Growing up, uh, one of my first um, experiences watching at that time the WWE was watching, I believe it was WrestleMania three, which was Hogan and Andre mm-hmm. uh, in the Silverdome, and of course Hogan and Andre was awesome, and of course um, Steamboat and Randy Savage was still to this day maybe the most amazing WrestleMania. But there was this tag team that just absolutely grabbed me. And they were the British Bulldogs. Mm. And they had everything I liked. They had a dog. They had a Bulldog <laughs> that they brought to the ring. Matilda the Bulldog. Um, out of the British Bulldogs, the casual fan, the guy who won a singles wrestler, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, um, was a member of the Hart family, uh, tragically passed away in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, had time as the champion, um, you know, had a run in WCW. Yeah, everybody kind of remembers the British Bulldog. The the wrestling connoisseur remembers that his partner, the Dynamite Kid, was at the time maybe the most he he was that guy who in his time was maybe the most advanced wrestler in the world, where he was doing things that fifteen years later people were like, Oh yeah, this is what it should be. He was the high flyer who could mix the uh, he could mix the psychology he could do the wrestling but he would go to the top rope he would do all the crazy things um dynamite kid was at the time maybe the best wrestler he and steamboat and savage maybe the best wrestlers in wwf wwf Hmm. um if maybe not the world at that time that's include that's putting them in a in a flare some of the japanese guys i mean he was that damn good um his matches with Tiger Mask in Japan when he was with All Japan are just like to this day still these legendary, legendary matches. Um, Dynamite had a lot of physical medical problems based on his style of wrestling because he was a smaller flyer who wrestled like a heavyweight and it just tore his body up. Also, added to Everybody was doing steroids and everybody was getting hammered and doing coke all the time. <laughs> and dynamite was no different. Um, body really failed him later in his life. Uh, his final match was in 1997, I believe. 
And after that match, uh, within a month, he was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Um, had some real mental issues uh, after having a stroke in 2013. Uh, suffered from mental issues, and you know, kind of lived his life out in England in a in a nursing home, mm-hmm. which was a really sad way to see this guy who was this premier athlete. Kind of a sad way to see him go out, but um, he he's finally he's getting the tributes that he deserves. Um, there has been talk for years, you know, why aren't the British Bulldogs in the Hall of Fame? One reason was because Dynamite Kid was still alive, and it's always kind of been said that, you know, after Dynamite's gone, they'll put him in the Hall of Fame. So I'm wondering with WrestleMania coming up in the next, you know, four or five months, is that going to be something that happens? Are we going to see the British Bulldogs go into the WWF, WWE Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. which I think they richly deserve? I mean, they were one of the tag teams of the 80s. And once again, Dynamite Kid, he was innovative. He was ahead of his time. He was one of my favorite guys I ever got to watch. And um, that's why I saw Raw this week. I just wanted to talk a little bit about Dynamite, give him a little background, just kind of give him that little eulogy there. At the end. Um, because uh, now he's up, he's up in heaven with Dynamite. And by God, the ribs they're pulling are probably it. There you go. Well, <laughs> not, a, not a great way to end the show, but a, but a very – uh, a nice eulogy for him here on on the Foreign Affair podcast. That is going to do it for us here for episode two thirty nine. Uh, once again, big thanks to NGSC Sports as well as Alicia's Pillows and Things. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, but you can also find us as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at West Bradshaw 21. I'm at Edward Green. You can find us again on Facebook, Instagram, as well as YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show. You can also email us at the address allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Uh, big thanks to our podcast providers, including Podbean.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Play Music Store, and iTunes Music, or wherever great podcasts can be provided. Uh, I actually had to do that bit last night. Um, my uh our our great great friend of the show one name producer jackie um and i were talking with her brother last night and his girlfriend asked uh where could she find our podcast and the only way i knew how to describe it was by doing that spiel and the reaction i got was you know you don't actually have to pimp your podcast right well yes we do we always have to pimp our podcast because it's it deserves to be listened to by more people or less. I can't really decide. And um, because and because exhibit pimp rides, why can't we pimp? A... It's a true story. An exhibit is definitely not bankrupt. Um, so big thanks to all our podcast providers. Um, again, we will be back next week uh, with. Uh, I believe are we planning on doing live live podcast? Uh yeah. Well, maybe. Um, well, we'll have to. Okay. But yeah, right now I'm planning. I'm planning to head Tuesday uh, to watch uh, Napoli and Liverpool. Well, that sounds like a fun time. So, so it would be a Tuesday live pod. Mm-hmm. Just throw in like a Wednesday. Yeah. Champions League. Exactly, because there'll be big Champions League action coming on there again. There is a weekend of prem action. Big match of the week is Chelsea versus Manchester City. That is this Saturday in the uh, the big twelve. Uh, o'clock slot so check that out um we'll be back next week for the other stuff but wes before we get out of here anything else you'd like to add um hey high school football
quickly coming to an end, and we have team left in this area at mm-hmm. green. That team this is one. big shocker, the Tarboro Vikings. Oh, no. Uh, 28 nothing winners over North Stanley a week ago. North Stanley team with three Division One guys on it. Oh, God. Um, and they just were absolutely dominated by Tarboro. Even though I give North Stanley credit, they are uh, they're the first team that I've seen that held Tarboro from the big runs this past week. Mm-hmm. But hey, what did Tarboro do? They just took their four yards of carry, yeah, <laughs> and ground up first downs, and then had like six yard touchdown runs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they just they do what Tarboro does, which is uh, you know grind you until you can't stand anymore, and then they just pound you. Crazy. So, um, yeah, man, it was it's awesome. Tarboro's left Southwest Edgecombe got rolled by North Davidson. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, man. So it's coming down the end. Uh, a, a rematch of last year's Eastern Eaton Homes and Tarboro. Uh, Tarboro barely squeaking by last year, fifty to seven. So. <laughs> I'd expect more of the same this week. <laughs> you know, Tarver just sort of crazy when you start looking at Tarver's stats because this team is just ultra dominant. Mm-hmm. And then their leading rusher, their leading rusher has less than 800 yards rushing on the Wow. But the thing is, they've got like five guys between four. Right. And the thing is, they only played the first half of all their games all year. You know, that's the thing. Um, most I don't think they have anyone who has 70 carries on the year. Wow. 70 carries. They don't have anyone with 70 carries this year. Wow. Where, I mean, there are running backs, you know, in other places who get 70 carries in about two or three games. <laughs> this is like game 14 coming up for them, and they don't have anyone with 70 carries. Spread it out so evenly, and they've just got five or six guys who can just go. This oh, it, is so crazy. dominant. Yeah. So damn dominant. Well, that is that is what the Tarbor Vikings have been doing, and uh, I'm sure that next week, Wes Bradshaw and I will be able to talk about what they do on their route to another uh, state championship. But until that Tell week, y'all what they do. There you go. Uh, yeah. For my call in crime, Wes <laughs> Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here on this week's A Foreign Affair podcast. Until next time, folks, please stay safe. And enjoy the football. And good night, Premier League. You guys are just something. Giving us three matches in a week. We love you. Yes. You know, just... uh, I don't know. Like, I love the soccer, but at the same time, like, you know, if we just said, like, hey, League Cup, why don't you not include Premier League teams anymore? And we just spread out the Christmas madness more throughout the year. So it wasn't like this. Uh, I mean, you know, we're sitting, we're sitting here looking at, I mean, God, around the beginning of the year. Thank God, by the way, that they at least moved. We were literally looking. This show is sponsored by Alicia's Pillows and Things. Check out the Facebook page, Alicia's Pillows and Things, where you will find home decor you will not be able to resist at prices anybody can afford. Check out the pillows and stools of your favorite sports teams. Maybe you want a set of your kid's favorite cartoon or movie character. You can also get full body and neck pillows as well. 
Log on to NGSCSports.com and go to the Alicia's Pillows and Things tab on the homepage to complete your order. It makes a great gift for Christmas at an affordable price. NGSC Sports. We never stop. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. 